This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. We are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Hello, I'm Adam Catterall. I'm Nick Pete. And you are listening to episode three of the Fight Disciples podcast. This one, geniusly, is called The Bulletproof Monk. Yep. There is a reason for this. Um, obviously, the feature character within today's episode is Scott Quigg. Um, and after meeting him, I decided that he has similar characteristics to a monk out in Asia, living the life, dedicated to his craft, and obviously being very good at it. And at the moment, is still undefeated. So therefore, Bulletproof thought will play on the film. I get it. Are you explaining it to me or explaining it to yourself? Well, you were looking at yeah, to me. I was explaining <laughs> it to myself. Scott, if you're listening, that's the reason why we've called it the Bulletproof Monk. All right, yeah. mate? Nice one. Coming up on today's podcast. The Bulletproof Monk himself, Scott Quigg, talks to me about being on professional forums at Burnley Football Club and also describes what type of footballer he used to be like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like a Roy Keane player. <laughs> <laughs> After two years out, Davy Grant looks ahead to UFC London and also lifts the lid on his alter ego as a bedroom DJ and tells us what type of music he's into. Uh, it was like more like Scout House, Bob type stuff. And finally, trainer, promoter, manager, he used to even be a fighter. He's done everything in the fight game. Dave Caldwell is the man that I'm talking about, but did you know that he's keen on his footy? He's even splashed out on a new pair of boots. They are bright as fuck. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. We just want to say thank you to everyone that's been downloading the Fight Disciples so far. Episodes have been flying out. Our numbers are pushed through the roof. But one thing we want to ask is, please get on iTunes, leave us a nice review as well, because we mm. want to get ourselves thrown right up down rankings and uh, make sure that we are above everybody else and the number one fight podcast available in the UK. Are you are you channeling Conor McGregor with that, please? You sounded very ch- Conor McGregor when you were talking about numbers then. I feel like... That's next week's podcast. He's not fighting till the 5th. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm all of these channeling my inner Conor. You're getting right in there, weren't you? Going, yeah, the, the numbers. Conference. It's all about the numbers. It's all it about is. the sequences. Anyway, we'll start with UFC, shall we? Yep, because definitely. Um, this week we are splitting up, me yep. and Nick. Uh, we're having a, a, a trial separation. Uh, Nick is uh, living away. I'm going down south. Yeah, li- Nick is living away in London uh, because obviously the UFC is in town, baby. UFC London uh, comes to the O2 Arena. Anderson Silva back in the UK for a very long time. I can't wait. Cannot wait. Up against Michael Bispin. Obviously, you've got octagon uh, side seats, which is beautiful. I will be in Manchester for Frampton Quick. We'll get onto that later. Mm-hmm. How excited about. Uh, the UFC coming to London, are you? Uh, I'm super excited, to be honest with you. Not just for the main event, either. The main event we spoke about before, it's a fight that's been a long time, a long time cooking. Um, both these guys now are kind of coming at it at the dip, probably the wrong end of the, at their careers, if you like, than where we were five or six years ago, but it's still a super interesting fight. Anderson Silva is still seen as the greatest of all time in mixed martial arts, so you've got to love that. But also beneath it as well, the undercard's superb. There's a ton of really good local fighters, national fighters involved. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to getting stuck into that. Mike Wilkinson. Yeah, He's Mike good. Wilkinson, yeah. Back, for, back after Wigan a long lad. time out. Yeah, Love yeah. his accent. Yeah. Couldn't put him on this show because between me and him, you wouldn't necessarily understand the word that me and him said. However, um, unlike me, he's a fantastic fighter and yeah. uh, he's making some real shakes in the UFC. Yeah, against Amir Carney, yeah. You know, it's good to see him back in action. There's a few other guys on there as well. There's Arnold Allen from Ipswich, is a hot UK prospect as well, a bantamweight featherweight. And then a guy on the main card as well, Tom Brees. Tom Brees is like, basically, he's like the future of, of UK MMA. You know, he's the big star that's coming through in the UFC that we want to see massive things from. Then throw into the mix Brad Pickett's probably farewell fight down in London as well. Mm. It's a great main card. But uh, also, another fighter we haven't mentioned yet is Davy Grant from the Northeast. Super talented guy. Got a massive following in the UK. Hasn't fought for over two years now. He lost the tough 18 finale, the Ronda Rousey season of tough. He lost in the final. Picked up injuries ever since. Been inactive ever since. But we caught up with him this week ahead of UFC London. And uh, he let us know how he was feeling ahead of uh, his big comeback fight. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. No, what it is, I'm in, I'm in the car on the way to the chiropractor at the minute. Wow, what's up with your back, mate? You're getting bloody uh, squeezed into position. No, wait, it's just, it's just uh, I just go pop in for like a check-up, just making sure everything's in place, not if anything's wrong or out. Going to go for a cheeky rub down. You have to, aren't you, mate? Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> are you back up in the northeast at the moment, Davey, or are you still yeah, in Manchester? Yeah. I was at Manchester this morning, I'm back in the northeast now, and I'm, I'm just getting ready. I'll get everything set tonight, and then I'll be down in London tomorrow for the fight. Yeah. Are you checking into the hotel tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. What are you doing? Are you arranging a night out with him or something? Is well, I'm doing? down there myself Wednesday, yeah, so I, I want to know where the party is. Listen, oh, they, they, I know Davy's background. He's a party animal. Davy's not going out on the lash, mate. He's got a fight at the weekend. He's been waiting for this fight for bloody two years, mate, all right? He ain't coming out <laughs> on the steam with you round Soho, all right? You stay <laughs> up. Davy, if he comes knocking on your door, just ignore him, all right? Pretend <laughs> you're not right, in, lad. I will. I will. <laughs> Listen, he's, he mentioned your party background there. There's rumours, vicious rumours knocking about that you used to do a bit of bedroom DJing. Is this right? Yeah, yeah, it's DJ, yeah. Oh, but it was back in the day that I was young. <laughs> were you, uh, when I say bedroom DJ, did it just stay in the bedroom? Were you down the no, big market, mate? Were you no, giving it a bit down there? Yeah. You down did, the quayside? I, I used to DJ in a few clubs. I did, I, did, I did a couple of clubs in Newcastle, Sunderland, like Tall Trees, things like that. Tall Trees, big, yeah. big, big uh, house nights in Tall Trees, mate, down at Yarm yeah. there, eh? Yeah, it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was good, like, at the time. What type of stuff did you play? Uh, it was, like, more, like, Scouse House bounce type stuff. Mate, you'll fit in with... This, this is why, this is why Mick it. loves you, you see? Bouncy house, he loves all that stuff. See, I've got in all my right. car, I've got a Davy Grant limited edition Mega Mix. Have you? And it's probably worth <laughs> a fortune now he's in the UFC. <laughs> 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 do, you st- do you still do a bit? Yeah, have you still got a, a set of decks or not? Yeah, I've still got my decks, but to be honest, I haven't had them for a long time. Get the dust blown off, mate. I'll tell you something. You could DJ. This is a thing. We can. You can DJ your own entrance. That's what you could do. <laughs> no, yeah, it'd be all right, <laughs> wouldn't it? Any, any idea yet ahead of the fight? What you're going to be coming out to, Davey? Bit of Scouse House, will it be? Or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hold tight, hold tight. Do, do, do you know, like Mayweather, when he comes out, he gets Bieber or something, doesn't he? Or Little Wayne to do some rapping on the way out. That's what you could do, mate. Do your own, though. Get stuck in. Bit of MC. Yeah. Maybe not this time. All right, mate. <laughs> Listen, we'll talk mixed martial arts, shall we? Two years, yeah. pal. It's been horrible, this injury hell that you've been on at this moment in time. Um, I think it was November 2013, wasn't it? The, uh, the Ultimate Fighter final. Uh, yeah. la- last time you were out, you must have been absolutely chomping at the bit for that period yeah. of time to get yourself in and get yourself into the UFC. Oh, definitely, yeah. It was, it was, it was hard, you know. Um, it, it, it was just unlucky and it was just one of those things you've just got to deal with. But like, at no point in my mind did I ever think I wasn't going to make it back. I knew that and, and I was just, I was so focused on the job at hand. It wasn't like I was just sat around doing nothing either. It was like any chance I got. I mean, even when I, had, when I was on crutches, I was sat with hand grips working on my grip. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, it's, it's, been, it's been a layoff, but I'm, I'm, I'm a hell of a lot better than what I was. So, it, it, it's sort of been a blessing in disguise because I'm the, I'm the best version of myself that I've ever been at the minute. Is it? And, uh, do you know when you're out injured? A, yeah. lot, a lot of people, a lot of fighters that we speak to, when they're out injured and they can't actually do the thing that they love doing, it's a good mental detox. They take a good hard look at life in general. They take stock of various things. It helps them realign certain things and refocus. Is that how you found it over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, it, uh, there, there is that side of it. But it is so hard, you know, like not being able to do what you love, especially when you just get to, get, get to, like, to fight on the world stage. You know what I mean? Mm. It was it, it was really hard, but yeah, you just. But what it is, I've just got to take the positives away from it. There's no point in sitting dwelling on it. Do you know what I mean? You look at right. This has happened. This is what I'm going to do to fix things. This is what I'm going to do to make it better. And and you've got to change everything into a positive. Do you know like when you've been at Christmas and you're waiting for a present and you've been waiting or you've asked your mum saying August for it, right? And you're yeah. waiting to open this present. You know it's going to be there. So you run in the room Christmas morning and you go hell for leather, don't you? Right? <laughs> yeah. Marlon Vera's getting it, isn't he, on Saturday night, man? <laughs> uh, he <yeah>. is getting <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of pent up frustration waiting for him, I tell you. What's the, what, what's the game plan for Saturday night? Because you, you're, you're a type of guy that stands in the middle of the octagon and you like to have a little bit of a bang. I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, everyone knows, Davey. It's been so long since we've seen him fight live, but everyone knows, fight fans know, the guy is action-packed, man. It's high-octane stuff from start to finish. Mm. So That's yeah, obviously what we're going to get, isn't it, Davey? That's what we're going to get Saturday night, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Look, it's no secret what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go in there now and have a good fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone knows about and, uh, and and the game plan is to go in there and do what I do. You know, I'm not worried about what he wants to do. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got too much to bring to the table. Do you know something? A couple of my mates who are in, in, into mixed martial arts. 
they thought that you retired, you know, because they saw you on the Ultimate Fighter and they thought, well, yeah. he, he'll be in the UFC soon. Where is he? And they were looking for you and they couldn't, obviously they couldn't yeah. find you. And then obviously I've had to explain some lads out injured. He'll be back. Don't you worry about it. So I've, I've no doubt there'll be a lot of people with their eyes on uh, the weekend. I know obviously the top bill of Bisping and Silver's getting everybody's attention, but there'll be a lot of people yeah. looking out for you, mate, as a British fighter, oh, being out for a period of time. You mu- the, the support must have been great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's always good from the British. There, uh, it does. It, it it's it's a, it's a weird one, but uh, like I had a few people asking us um, if if I was ever going to fight again. It's like, look, I didn't try this long to get to want to be to go again now. You know, it's like, of course, I'm going to fight. Again. Was this kind of the perfect comeback for you as well, being London? You know, are you happy yeah. that it's in the UK? Yeah, definitely. It makes things easier, doesn't it? I haven't got no acclimatization, no time differences to get used to. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely better, and I feel as if I'm because I just out on it last time as well. I was really looking forward to fighting in the O2, so yeah, it's, it's nice that it's come around full circle. And I'll get my first one back there. Yeah, and there's obviously uh, with your fighting style as well. I'm sure, I'm sure you're going into this with one one iron on a performance bonus. Oh, that would be nice. That'd be nice. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just concentrating on putting in the best performance of my life. You yeah. know what I mean? David, listen, right, he's, he's, he's only talking to you about performance bonus, right, because he wants you to take yeah. him on a night out after you've done exactly nailed Vera. Right. That's what it is. He's thinking <laughs> of a night out around London, is this lad. He'll be octagon side. As soon as you knock this kid out, he'll be knocking on going, hey, come on. I'll have my good dress pants on. <laughs> uh, nice one. You'll be on your night out, mate. Listen, just uh, before we let you clear off, are you uh, are you still in contact with Ronda? Obviously, she was your coach at, uh, at the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, I mean, I, we haven't talked to each. We don't talk to each other too much. Uh, we were at first, but it's like it's sort of when you live the other side of the world. It's mm-hmm. just little messages here and there to make sure she knows I'm thinking of her stuff like that. But we are, yeah, we are still in contact. She's a lovely girl. It was horrible to see what happened to her, but I'm sure she'll bounce back. I think her personality, Davey, you know, it's it's transcended the world. But it, she's got a a love hate kind of personality. People that don't really know her, obviously, you're fortunate enough. You do know her. You do know her away from the cameras, away from the octagon. So it's yeah. great to hear from someone like yourself that you know that she is a real person that she's got this warm and loving personality and you, yeah. te- you seem to get that from people that actually know Rhonda properly they all say the yeah. same thing she's a really nice girl yeah she is she's really bubbly really nice but like people only see the competitive side of her you know what I mean she's a competitor she's an Olympian you know and uh, and if she has to if she has to hit her opponent to fight them then, then so be it everyone's got their own way do you know what I mean and yep. she's across that competitive side but like when, once you get to know her and you're not her enemy she's a lovely girl it's the same with a lot of people yeah I love that. I love that there's a geezer from the North East, right, talking to us about Ronda Rousey, one of the big stars of the UFC, referring to her as a lovely lass. Yeah. She's a lovely lass. <laughs> She's a lovely lass. <laughs> Listen, mate, we wish you all the best on Saturday night. I know it's been a long time coming. For us as yeah. fans, it's been a long time yeah. coming. It must have been a nightmare for you as the fighter. Nick's going to be octagon side I'll on there, Saturday yeah. night, mate. He'll be Can't the one, wait. obviously, waving cash at you, ready for the night out afterwards. <laughs> so don't let him down on night. What, what is your food of choice when you are when you are not in camp? To be honest, I'm just trying to get a mix of everything. I haven't got really a... I, I, I really like Indians. Good lad. Nice one. Nick loves a Jalfrezi. He, he, he's got it sorted. He's <laughs> yeah. got it booked in for you. All right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all the best Saturday night, mate. And, hey, uh, cheers, we'll, lad. Thanks. Brilliant crack. Love we'll, it. we'll speak to you soon, mate. Take care, pal. Thanks a lot. See you soon. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. There's something quite beautiful about speaking to a Geordie. Yeah. They just make you feel happy. I, ju- I feel buzzing now off the back of that. Yeah. I go up to Newcastle uh, once a month like, and, and mix it with the uh, with the lads in the office there. and uh, They love the fighting up there as well. They love the fighting, they love the drinking, and they love their scantily clad women. That's what we love about <laughs> Geordies. So, uh, I bet you have been to a few parties of his. I bet you have, yeah. DJ yeah, Davy. Yeah, exactly. I wonder what we should have asked him his DJ name. I know. DJ Davy. What would it be? DJ Davy. I wonder if it's just DJ Dangerous, as in his. his, his Do you know something? I wouldn't be surprised like if it was, yeah. Yeah. He definitely needs to look into, obviously, doing that MC stuff too. Uh, well, his ring know, walk. He, he needs to be a bit more clued up because this weekend down in London, he should mm. have someone selling CDs outside of his <laughs> Mega Mix. <laughs> Davy. <laughs> Get you sorted, sunshine. <laughs> and as we as we said in that little chat that we had there, just beware of Nick because he is basically on a free pass this week. He's he's going for a night out, pal. All right, so try and avoid him at all costs until after the fight. Yeah. All right. Uh, now then, uh, you're obviously doing that. I'm up north in Manchester, ringside for yep. uh, Frampton Quig, and I'm super jealous as well. I wish I could have a teleportation machine, you know, because these are two events that I desperately don't want to miss, and this main event. I really don't want to miss because what a fight. What a fight Frampton Quigg is. 
Flip a coin. 50-50. Come on, where you at? I don't know. I'm stuck on the fence. I said this too earlier. There's three ways this fight's going to go. Either Quig's going to win, Frampton's going to win, or it's going to be a draw. There you go. <laughs> um, 16 years of knowledge went into that. <laughs> well, no, it's 50-50, Adam. It, it's a crack and fight, you know. I think if it goes... I think... And honestly... I can see Frampton schooling him. I can see the better technician having a the, the performance of his life and Quig kind of chasing shadows. But I can also completely see Quig dragging him into the trenches and making it a warfare because that's the fight he wants and lifted by the crowd. Frampton can't get out the way of shots. It, it's an incredible fight. Great it is fight. incredible. Absolutely incredible. I'm so looking forward to it. And uh, we've been lucky enough to get in front of Mr. Quig uh, a little earlier on this week. This is what he had to say. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. I want to take you back to school time, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Says it all with a laugh there straight away. Absolutely. Um, just away from boxing, sport-wise, you were a pretty decent footballer as a kid, weren't you? I was. I was a good footballer. My dad was a very good footballer and he should have made it as a professional. But he'll tell you himself he wasted um, his talent and after training he'd rather go and have a few pints with the lads instead of being one of the ones that stayed behind and kept practising. And he knew he'd, he'd made that mistake and obviously he was always used to go on his working now and he didn't enjoy what he'd, he's doing and he should have made it. And he always seen potential. And So football really was the main sport in our family at mm. first and every night from the age of eight, I was on the field for two hours of him and... He used to grill us, me and my brother, and if we couldn't get something right, we couldn't leave the field. You know, and he, you get people walking past, shaking their head, thinking, who's that lunatic shouting at his kids like that? But, you know what, it worked for me, and that's where the drive, the dedication, and being focused on being a winner comes from. You know, from an early age, I was told, don't bring a runners-up medal home. You know, we had a cup final, don't be bringing a runners-up medal in. No one remembers a runner-up. And my mum my used to go mad. Give over, you're sucking the fun out of it. But it's true. You know, no one no one remembers, you know, a runner-up. And it's always stuck with me. And that's why I'm so obsessed with being the best and training every day like I do. Do you think that's where um, your meticulous attitude towards the gym and your profession now comes from? Yeah, definitely. You know, it, do, you, do you look at, uh, again, I don't want to speak illy dad, but do you look at your dad and maybe what he should have achieved and you think to yourself, I'm not letting that happen to me? Yeah, and he always said that himself. So when I remember when I when I finished school and I dropped out of school, I had to go and work in uh, his factory and sweep the factory f- floor for a couple of days. Mm. I thought to earn a bit of pocket money and because I, obviously no education and I was training and it was so I didn't have to, you know, scrounge off my mum and dad and, and earn a bit of money and after about six months he stopped me uh, I went he went you know why I've had you doing this I went yeah so I don't scrounge off you a mum and I'm earning a bit of pocket money to you know buy some you know new boots new gloves and he went no he went because you've dropped out of school you've got no qualifications you don't enjoy doing this do you I went do I yet he says if you don't go on and fulfil your talent, then you're, you're going to be working in this factory. And he should, there was a, a guy called Watty on, and he used to cut the windows of frames. And he went, Watty, went, do you like what you're doing? He went, I hate it. And from that point on, I said, oh, do you want me to carry on finishing sweeping? He went, no. Go on now and get to the gym. And... It was that really did the penny wow. sunk in because it's like, now nah, you're right. I've got no education. I'd be working in a factory, you know, doing something that I don't want to do when I've got a talent that... And then the only reason why I, I wouldn't have achieved it is if it was down to myself mm. by, you know, not putting the work in, not staying focused, not staying dedicated. And like I say, I ran home, ran to the gym and... That day, the penny dropped, and I've never, and that was, I was 15, and I've never changed since. Have you ever had a conversation of thanks with him regarding that? Because that's unbelievable as a mentor. Yeah, I mean, I I owe him a lot, Mm. you know. At the start of that, 
it was it, me and my dad used to always be together. We'd always like I say with the football, we used to go and watch football all the time. Every time we was training. And the older I got, like now, it's it's me and my mum. But from the start, he he did build the foundations of that winner's mentality and the way to be. I'm so obsessive to be the best, mm. and and it's that them three words. Well, it might be four or five. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't bring a runners up medal here. So there's no time for that's amazing. Bro. And again, my mum went mad. Oh, you're sucking the fun out of it. Leave him. You know, and it, it's true. Every time, because I was at Burnley for about yeah, eighteen months, and I like I say, I thought I thought I was going to make it. Every time, snappy little midfielder. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was like a Roy Keane player, <laughs> and and that comes from my dad as well. He was anyone who tried giving giving me a bit of a nudge, a bit of a bad tackle. They were getting it. He, he said. Right, and if I didn't, he used to go ballistic. He used to call me, oh, you bottled it, you bottled it. So I knew that if someone if someone snapped me on the pitch, I had to get them back. So but, 18 months at Burnley, Yeah, your focus is obviously becoming a professional footballer. Yeah, I, th- I thought I was going to make it. You know, every time I turned up to training, I had butterflies because I knew I wanted to do well. It, it wasn't about me, you know, just turning up to training, knowing I was... You know, good at football mm. and just enjoying it. It was, I had to be better. I had to, I knew that there was other players that were trying to get in my position. Mm. And, and it was, I had butterflies every time I turned up to training. And it's been just the sheer will to be the best. You obviously then are used to putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk in the fight building up, for example, the yeah. fight with Carl Frampton about who's going to handle the pressure, it's going to be noisy in the arena, all these types of things. And I know the banter has been going back and forth, uh, but you made a great point in the Gloves Are Off programme about it's irrelevant about the pressure of the fans, it's irrelevant yeah. about the pressure of my trainer or my mum and dad and all these yeah. types of things. It's what I expect of myself. Yeah. You've been doing this since you were a kid, doing that exact thing, that mental, I need to be the best, I'm competing with this guy. This, this is not about anything else. This is me and me satisfying my own desires. So you've been here before. 100%, and that's what, like I said, I made that clear. You know, it doesn't matter how many people are in the arena. It doesn't matter what other people expect. The pressure I've put on myself since day one is more than any pressure that anybody could ever try and put me under. Hmm. You know, these pressures in... When I first went to America, to the wildcard gym, you know, I was on my own, uh, a 19-year-old kid. I was, I was I was a kid, you look at pictures, and I was like a little boy. And walking into that gym at that age and sparring with you or sparring with Mexicans, all on my own, you know, there was no one with me. I just went over there, and I expected to, you know, to beat everybody up. What I mean is, you know, I didn't think oh well he's had so many fights yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he's... there was no trepidation when you went in there you think thinking no, no. don't care two hey, arms two legs i'm taking him yeah. out and hey there was times of hell on that trip <laughs> you know where but it's you, a great you, learning trip oh that that was what changed me from a boy to a man you know and it's things like that that you that have i've put myself through and put my myself under that pressure that has built me into the character and the person I am today. You're still doing that though as well. You're not yeah. just, most people would do that at the start of the career and say, right, I've learned a lesson there, but you're world champion now and you're still doing that. You're still going to the wildcard gym and having a little bit of a nosy round saying, right, let's get in there and let's learn. It is, for, every time I speak to you, the attitude that I get is that it's a case, I want to learn every single day. Yeah, what, you, what people forget is what you did from the start that got you to that point. Hmm. You know, becoming, you know, maybe becoming world champion. And then other people stop doing what they've always done. Yeah. And and they change things. Complacency yeah. sets in. Why? I mean, I'm 20, 27 years of age and I still live at home. I've been engaged for three years. I've been with the missus six years. She lives a mile up the road. She wants to get married. She wants a house. But I've refused to move out because I've not accomplished what I've wanted to accomplish yet in my mm. career. Do you know, I've still got a long way to go to fulfil what I believe is my full potential. And me living at home and staying in my same routine that I've always done 
why change it if it's, if it's not broken? Joe, you know, that's what's mm. got me. Don't get me wrong, it's a selfish way of looking at it, but I'm very lucky to have such a supportive um, fiancé that, you know, supports me and backs every decision I make. How important is that? Because you mentioned your fiancé there, extremely supportive. Going back to when you were 15 years of age and you tell your mum and dad, I'm dropping out of school because I want to be a boxer. That must take an awful amount of support as well. I know that you've, we've already spoken about yeah. your dad and the way that he obviously yeah. was drilling in to become a champion, but to allow you to come out of education at 15, that's a big, big call. A ma- massive call. And in a way, I was lucky because my mum didn't like school and she didn't finish school. She probably hate me for saying this now. <laughs> but I was lucky. But she could that, understand. She oh, empathised with un- you. Yeah, she yeah. could understand because yeah. I was always going on, I'm going to be a world champion. She always knew that I was always out training. I was never one to hang about on the streets. Mm. I was never, you know, one to go out partying. It just never, it just never interested me. And the day when I asked them, they knew how much. When I, when I was obviously telling them, they could see in my eyes that I really meant what I was saying. I wasn't going to waste the opportunity. I wasn't going to let them down. And they they got stick. Who would, I bet they did, yeah. Who, who would, family members and various things like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, who would um, back the 15-year-old son to drop out of school mm. with no education? You know, Especially in the modern world. That's, it, a, that's a big correct. thing. Correct. And they, re- they did people look down and think, well, what are you doing? Like, and I thought I, that would be the biggest insult and slap in the face mm. to my parents if I was to ever you know, lose focus, lose drive, you know, change my mind in what I wanted to do and let them down and they thought, no, and I, and I promised them I'd become world champion. Is that why you don't see any of the things that people talk to you about as making a sacrifice? You see yeah. it as, well, it's, I don't want to do that anyway. Yeah. This is what I want to do. So it's not, I'm not sacrificing anything. Yeah, I mean, people in the craze make sacrifice because of a sacrifice is something you want to do, but you've got to do something else because yeah. that's more important. And... I don't make any sacrifices. No, I really don't. And people think, oh, he's such a dedicated fan. I am. So, but it's my life. Mm. And I genuinely mean that. I don't say it to, for people to you know, think good of me or get brownie points sort of thing. I don't want people feeling or feel sorry for me because oh, he doesn't do anything. It's some of the, you know, I say mates and that who come and support me, Oh, well, you don't do anything. This is all I want to do. do you know, mm. so there's no sacrifices. Even, even to the the point now, even bad bad meals. You know, like pizzas. I don't even miss them. Mm. Do you know, it's because I know what I'm doing and the way I'm living is making me a successful person. That focus and is making my family proud. They'd be proud of you. Irrelevant, mate. I think. That focus is in- incredibly inspiring. They'll look at you as an inspiration for what you're doing, and I know that you're inspiring the next generation of fighters with the way that you're going about doing your business. When, when was the moment for you? Because fan-wise, I've spoken to tons of fans. Yeah. And for fans, they even though you were world champion, the yeah. moment for them where they started to believe, oh, mate, Scott Quigg's the real deal here, is the way that he smashed up Kiko, right? Yeah. Took him out very, very fast. No, but even me, as a fan of yeah, yours, yeah. didn't expect two rounds. Boom, mate, he's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? When was the moment for you that you looked at it and thought to yourself, I'm the real deal here? I've, you know, there was a point where, when Brian News retired and I linked up with Joe and that has been the the takeoff to my career. As in, Brian News built foundations, mm. but my first fight with Joe for the British title against Jason Beaver, a real you know, mm-hmm. quality uh, opponent, veteran who'd fought for a world title. And we was only together for six weeks for that fight. And that was my best performance. And I thought, if I can do that with a training camp of six weeks with this man, then everything I've always believed is the... And from that point on, I, I think it just went from strength to strength. And obviously, when you're stepping up in level and you see, you know, you, you're probably 
the Kiko Martinez fight is probably the standout win because of he was probably the most well known and mm. and on paper supposed to be my toughest fight and he still was my toughest fight because it was the training camp that we went through mm. that was absolutely meticulous like it always is and people don't see that they only see the the, end the glitz and the glamour yeah. you're walking out to rock and roll star but and all that type of stuff the the tactics the game plan what Joe come up with he he was saying it's going to go early it's going to go early I believed I was going to knock him out I thought six rounds between six mm. and eight and Joe was saying he's going to bite he'll bite early I can see it going early you went fishing and then he came and <laughs> yeah I mean I went fishing through the bait and then he and he took it more or less straight away and it was like, again that was the the best night of my career hmm. so far and with the with that win and the way I won in in, in a way the, the, the amount of pressure that I put on myself in that fight but not only that the amount of pressure that every everybody else that would try and put on because in a way it was a, it was a no win situation Frampton had beat him on points Frampton had stopped him hmm. so no the only way I could have got any sort of to the credit, next to where we're at right yes, now to, to get where to where we're at right now, now yeah was to smash him to up. smash him in mm. inside two rounds so early like and for it to for me to do that mm. and, and that's why i got the the credit that i did if i would have stopped him in nine or frampton's already stopped him beat him on points already, yeah he's been beat on points but the way i did it and i think you can see in the reaction i've never celebrated like that i run around the ring like a lunatic uh, Joe, we're running around like a loon. We both were so. Uh, you knew what it meant. You knew yeah, what it, you knew what was coming yeah, off the back of it. People said to me, "I said, well, I've never seen you, you know, reaction like that." I said, and, and that is all about the pressure I put on myself, mm. you know. And it was within that within that fight, watching it, there was a nastiness about you. Yeah, and I've seen it before. Obviously, with your great power, you put people down with body shots. You put people down whacking them on the chin. But within that, there was a case of sniffing blood yep. and not letting the guy off the hook, yep. which at the top, top level is what's needed. Definitely, because if I hurt him and I seen in his eyes straight away, and, and at this level, you, you might only have five, six seconds to land that next shot yeah. to then keep it going, because obviously at this level, they, they have a better power of recovery and you know they can regroup and their experience. So it was about as soon as I landed that shot, I seen his eyes... And I pounced all over him. And then when he went down the first time, I knew that the first shot I threw had to land to keep the the, the ball, yeah, bit, to yeah. keep the momentum going. And if you watch, I go in, I pause, and I could see him go to throw, and I threw the right hook over the top. And that was, as soon as it landed, I knew that was the time I was, started to be cautious because... A, a most uh, mm. a dangerous man is when he's, he's hurt because he come out swinging. But I knew that was the time, and the momentum was still going to be there to go and like say I was doing the butterfly when I? I was I was windmilling <laughs> and but I got the job done. They were coming in from miles out there every oh. time. I was going, <laughs> Talk to me about Frampton. I think this would be an amazing fight even without belts on the line. There's yep. a lot of pride involved in this particular fight. Why has it not happened earlier? They didn't want the fight. You know they they. They thought they deserve this. Mm. You know, they're the, you've heard him say he thinks he's the A side, he's this, he's that. The, the fight is what is the A side. The fight. You know, the, it, I'm not pay per view without fighting him, and he ain't pay per view without fighting me. You know, it's the fight. Yeah. And the team around him and just mate, ob obscene demands and. They thought it was going to go to America, crack America, and obviously the the wheels nearly came off. And when they come back, the demands considerably dropped. He's worried. You know, you can see it. And that's why he's saying the things he's saying. You know, I'm expecting the best Cal Frampton that I've, I've seen. You know, better than what's saying that I'm expecting one that's... I've never seen before. You know, I'm expecting a, an improved Carl Frampton from his best performance, which I believe is Kiko Martinez, you know, the first fight. So 
whatever he brings, I'll have more than an answer for. You know, but he doesn't like, and his team don't like when that control has been taken away. Mm. They've had to come to us, and we're in charge, and he doesn't like it. He's he's um he likes to intimidate his opponents. If you notice, he's he likes to get in the face, and and he knows there's nothing that I fear. I've met you on previous occasions, and I know that you're quite ice cool in all situations. We've seen the way that you fight in press conferences. You just get about your business, quiet. I'll just get in the ring and do my yep. thing. And I think that's winding him up a little bit because he is reacting. He, again, I, I'm not a talker. I don't, it's all nonsense. What happens at press conferences, what happens when the gloves are off. But it's all irrelevant at the end of the day. All, all that matters is what goes on in that ring. Mm. And that's why I always you know, do, do my talking in the ring and trying to put my best and you know, put the performance in and get the win. That's that's all that matters to me, you know. But it it seems that he's trying to. You look at the presses in London, quiet. You look in Manchester, quiet. But then when he was in front of his own uh, crowd in Belfast, felt like he had a bit of comfort around him. Mm. And we're pausing at the end for the the face off. And then only when um, his master Barry puts his hand on him, he starts trying to raise his voice and starts walking forward. And I just find it funny because there was no one around us at first. So if he wanted to get at me or if he wanted to try and, you know, uh, intimidate me, do it when no one's there so he can... But it was only when Barry was holding him back, but really saying, please hold me back. (laughs) Does popularity matter to you? Because that's been a part of the conversation as well. Uh, no. It's, I appreciate everybody who comes out and supports me, um, all my fans. Are, I, without them, you know, there'd be no boxing events. Mm. But I'm not in it, so people recognise me on the street, you know, or want to be them. famous, or a celebrity. I, I, there's nothing, nothing like that has ever interested me. Mm. All that matters to me is winning and making myself proud and my family. Well, I'm sure you, your nan's delighted because I reckon her chippy business will have gone through the roof recently, won't it? Oh, sure. There's no, there's, there's no, there's no more, uh, no more presses. There's no, there's no more TVs coming up here. Is the, you know, the, we don't get a rest. <laughs> that's the best of when we when they, we sell because that's what I sell the tickets through. You know, the, it's. Because I remember last time I spoke to you and you were going down to the O2 for uh, the, the actual world title. Yeah. And uh, there were a case of. You could get chips, gravy, pie peas, yeah. whatever. And there were a coach deal as well through, right, yeah. through, through the chippy yeah. going down there and what have you. And, and that's obviously still going. Which, yeah. is, which is why people go towards you because well, of that localness around the way that you go well, about your that, business. That's where I, I go back to why change? You know, I've always done it. You know, people from, I've always come to the chippy, always bought the tickets from there, always, you know, pop in and say hello, how's he doing? And so, why? Because I'm world champion. Am I too good to sell my tickets through there now? I'm, a, you know, the people who's always mm. the core people that have always come and supported me. Why can they not interact with me anymore? You know, why can't they get the tickets from there? You keep your feet on the ground. You keep um, level-headed, and you just do what I've always done. Just finally, Scott. What is the left for you? What What's the remaining ambition? What do you want to do? Retire undefeated. Do you know, I want to keep going. You, Keep when, getting when, you, when you say about retiring undefeated, do you have a plan in your head longevity-wise of when you're thinking that's an edge or is it just a case of when you get that feeling? When 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 I can't do what I'm doing now yeah. because of my body's in father time, you know, everybody gets old. I will never be a fighter that carries on too long, but there's a lot more uh, life left in me yet. Some massive you know, fights as some well. Some very, very big fights and... I know that I've got a lot more that I'm going to go on to accomplish. The talking, obviously, Jazz has got a, a shot at Rigo on March the 12th. Yep. There's a reason why Rigo's coming over the, to this yeah, country yeah. to obviously showcase his talents, to try and build something up for uh, um, the winner of the of February 27th. Yep. You're telling me that's going to be you. So yep. is, uh, is Rigo something that you're thinking to yourself? That would be an absolute blockbuster. Yeah, definitely. He's rightfully so that he's 
pound for pound number one in the division and with what he's achieved you, you can't say any, anything otherwise hmm. but when I say I want that fight and that fight happens I'm not going to go out there and out box him Joe's not going to say we're going to out box his foul but I'll tell you what we'll come up with a plan to land the shot to take him out go fishing is what we're going to go <laughs> do <laughs> listen mate it's been a pleasure speaking to you once again um, I wish you everything you know that I'm a fan, so I wish you all the very best for uh, February 27th. We'll be ringside and we'll be screaming our heads off. If I'm honest, I don't think it's going to last that long because of uh, the way that you went in and surprises with Kiko. Um, expect the unexpected with Mr. Scott Quigg. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. That takes some amazing parental support. Quit school at 15 years of age. Parents marched him into the office to talk to the head teacher. said, listen, it's not for him. He's walking out. He's not doing his exams. And he's going to crack on with his career being a boxer. Sensational stuff. Mm-hmm. Gives you the confidence, that, doesn't it? It does, yeah, exactly. And good on his, his family for standing by him and letting him make that such a massive decision at such a young age as well. But, uh, you know, it's, it's paid off. The guy's, mm. you know, the guy's world champion. Ne- so. Next time uh, me and you were over uh, Berry together, I'll take you to his nan's chippy. Honestly, pie, pudding or pudding, pie or pudding, yeah. chips, gravy, peas, three quid, you're in there, aren't you, son? Brilliant. Sounds, and and if he's fighting outside of Manchester, they chuck him free travel as well. Unbelievable. That's true. I'm not winding you up. You can buy tickets for a Scott Quigg fight from the chippy, and if you buy one, they chuck in uh, your coach. Travel. Yeah, your coach. Da- down to O2. When he won the WBA uh, belt, down to the O2, everybody were on the coach, courtesy of his Nance chippy. I love it. That's brilliant. Northern, you see. Look yeah. after our own. That's it, exactly. Get them to the fight. Get the lads to the fight. We'll chuck it in. We'll do a deal for you, right? Buy <laughs> chips and gravy. Buy your ticket and we'll chuck in a dandelion and burdock and we'll take you down to the fight. Great. What more do you want? Speaking of Northern, um, one of my favourite trainers is uh, Dave Colwell. You must have come across Dave on yeah. several occasions over the years. Yeah, I've known Dave for, for a very long time. Yeah, he's an absolute superstar. and We say trainer, but... Promoter, manager, fighter, yeah. you name it. He's you know, the, the guy's an agony uncle in the grew, sport. Grew up and... in the Ingle gym, didn't he? Around Nazim Ahmed and Johnny exactly, Nelson and all yeah. the boys. Exactly, and he performed out of that gym as well, you yeah. know. Um, unfortunately, Dave being quite short, you know, he probably didn't make a lot of money in the game, but he was a, he was a cracking boxer, had mm. a lot of heart. And something that he's shown later on in his career in the rest of boxing as well you know he's really made a name for himself in the sport probably got one of the best reputations in the sport of a guy that's completely stand up completely reliable Top totally lab. legit and uh, it's great to see him now with a buzzing little stable going again he's got a great buzzing stable and the reason why I bring his name up is because he's going to be in the corner of Gavin McDonald at the weekend who's got a WBC eliminator yeah. against Jorge Sanchez wins that he's on to uh, obviously the full world title level WBC yeah. uh, world title level at Super Bantamweight just adds a beautiful little mix, especially with the British fighters with Quig Frampton and uh, even his brother might even step up and wait to uh, do a little bit. Uh, we caught up with him because, like I say, they are probably the chief support to that Quig Frampton it fight is, yeah, of course. Uh, at the weekend. So we caught up with Dave to have a little bit of a chat about his prospect for that fight. But first of all, um, he could only speak to me at a certain time. Uh, the reason being is because he's into his five-a-side footy. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. How's it going, Dave? Okay. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I've just come off at footy pitch. I've banged in three goals. I told you, so didn't happy. I say to you? We're just, I... we're just having a chat, like, what uh, position you play. So, obviously, you're uh, you're some type of goal machine. I said I'm, to... a, I'm, a, I'm a number 10, mate. I'm a number 10. <laughs> I just I just said that. I said to Adam, I said, if Dave's at five aside, I guarantee he's not a goalie. I guarantee he's centre fireworks. <laughs> and I bet he starts talking about how many goals he's scored. First thing he says, I banged in three. <laughs> <laughs> what what is it? Yeah. Is, is your Monday night thing like just a group of old pals and whatever you get together for a bit no, of five aside? Or is it no, a proper team? No, it's, it's it's about nine aside um, that we play. Um, and what it is, they're all a bunch good bunch of lads. I my mate brought me in on it. I didn't know anybody that used to play on that played on this. I don't so you you were technically the ringer. You were the ringer that they brought in. Yeah, do you know what it was? I I stopped playing football from when I started boxing at fifteen until. Uh, it'll be two years in. It'll be two years in summer um, when I went to Italy and we played at Chelsea Academy every day. Wow. And I just got into it and I loved it again. And then so I've, I've played every Monday night since then. And um, went to a bit of a bad patch just after Christmas. I thought, fucking, hell, I've gone shit. I can't play. And I'm like, it's only time. It's only time that I can switch off from from boxing. Yeah. Is when I'm playing for an hour with foot and I love it. But 
I'm a competitive bastard, so I can't just play for fun. Yeah, of course. And, uh, they're, all, they're all young kids, do you know what I mean? They're all young. Um, and I, I was playing shit, and I, I thought, oh, do you know what? I can't play this anymore. So I thought, last ditch effort, I'm going to go and buy me then some, some proper uh, boots. You know, <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> all the gear. So, no, you've got bright, so you've got illuminous <laughs> ones, haven't you? Bright bollocks ones, haven't no, you? Listen, bright fucking orange. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what, you know what? I played in them last week for the first time. I fucking played brilliant. I scored two goals. <laughs> and then, and then tonight, tonight, I've come off. Thought, Do you know what? I'm going to have another fucking whirl of it tonight. And I've scored fucking three. So what can I say? It's the boots. No, I reckon he's got. Do you know them them fancy ones Ronaldo's got, where it's like they got a sock, the sock in them, and all that type of stuff. No, 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 not as, not as bad as that. Not as bad as that. Jeez, <laughs> man, jeez. But, Listen, but they are they are bright as fuck. <laughs> Let's get your head in the game for uh, a bit of boxing, mate. This weekend, obviously, yeah. uh, Gav's got a, 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 an absolute monster here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It mustn't. I mean, I'm. I, this is, I don't know how to word this, so I'll just say what's in my head, because I don't think this will have happened within the gym or within his family or anything like that, but obviously he's been living in maybe a, a slight bit of a shadow of his brother, because his brother's yeah. become world champion yeah. over the uh, last couple of years. Two-time world champion? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a massive opportunity for him to step out of that and uh, have a little bit of that limelight himself. It is, and that's what his, um, that's what his driving force is. That's what you know gets him up in the morning. That's what He's one of these kids, uh, funny enough, I watched uh, I watched behind the ropes with Quig and how Quig was saying yeah. how he, you know he do, it's not about a sacrifice he absolutely loves what he does. Mm. Well, Gabby McDonald's the exact same in that respect. He loves coming to the gym. He thrives on a, on a, on on the sessions that we do, whether it's technical, whether it's just technique stuff, and he, you know, and it's very very highly concentrated. Whether it's pads, bags, or if it's you know as fitness, strength, and condition stuff. He absolutely loves it. Um, you know, he's the first one in the gym and, and he, he gives absolutely 100%. So, for him, his driving force is, yes, he wants to make money, but he wants to be a world champion. He's desperate to, to get out of his brother's shadow as such where he can share it, he can share the limelight and it can be both McDonald twins being world champions. That's what he's after. One of, the, one of the things when I've spoken to, for example, the Smith brothers in the past... Yeah. Um, they always talk about being in the dressing room when Paul's fought on a world level and stuff like that, and they're yeah. kind of walking the same steps that he's walked, even though yeah. they're not doing the fight. So yeah. he's in a great position because he's he kind of already been here, done it, seen it. He knows what it feels yeah. like, so he's not going to be surprised by it. Yeah, that's that's right. That's that's exactly right. You know, the, the, the experience out in in America mm. um, has held him really, you know, held him right in steps of it because it's it made him. Um, uh, just the scale of things out there and, and the training camps out there and it came back a totally different animal hmm. um, and he just feels so much confident in, in what he's doing now and the thing is, is you know as, as well as coaching him physically um, I you know I, I like to coach him mentally and, and, and so he learns about the game he learns you know what shots to throw when and what's the right time to do this and the right time to do that and he's growing as a fighter like that because he'll tell you himself he just used to throw punches for the sake of it you know they both did yeah. but Gavin also he just used to throw punches for the sake of it and because they've got a good engine and, and, and they're known for being fit he just thought you know just outwork people but you know you saw in the last fight um, his last fight that he had against Parode um, it, the intelligence that he boxed with and as the rounds went on, how he changed it, how he adapted and, and how he stepped things up. And, you know, um, he's, he's come on from that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in the sparring sessions, you know, he, he's improved loads. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous. Um, but I'm excited because um, this, kid, this kid we've got in front of him is another step up for Gav. Yeah. And let, let's be honest, go back 18 months ago. There's no way you look at Gavin McDonald and think, you know, this kid's going to be fighting a world class and, and fighting, you know, eliminated for world title. Mm. Um, you know, he, he kind of like overachieved in becoming British and, and, and you know, British champion and, and winning these interna- international titles. And then when he won the European, you know, that was like, wow. But yeah. I, I feel that he established himself against Parodi as a proper, genuine European champion. Um and now, you know, it's all about stepping up, stepping up in another division, really. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. He is a sensational character, Dave Caldwell. The full 
uh, interview, which lasts about 30 minutes. We were only supposed to have him for 10 minutes after his footy match because he was going to go look after his kids. He sat. He was sat on his driveway, right? His kids were knocking out window. Dad, come in. <laughs> he didn't come. He was obviously talking to us. The full extended interview of that where he's talking about training Pricey, yeah. uh, Tony Bellew, obviously his upbringing in the Ingle Gym. Um, it's available to download. So if you subscribe to the podcast, please do so. Write us a review because that helps us shoot up the charts and increase our visibility worldwide. Uh, And you'll also get little additional content. For example, we did uh, a Kevin Mitchell extended interview a couple of weeks back. Yeah. And we've got the Dave Caldwell uh, one this week. It's a brilliant listen. Honestly, you will not regret it. Definitely go and subscribe and uh, you'll get that absolutely gratis. Uh, Speaking of getting things absolutely gratis, competition time. I know we didn't do one last week. I got tweets with people saying, where's your competition this week? You gave away some pricey signed gloves. Where's the competition this week? We're not doing it every week because we'll probably just be giving away a pen. We want cool prizes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We don't want to give you a pen or something like that. So when we get something, then we will pass it on to you. So with the bulletproof monk himself, Mm -hmm. Scott Quigg, being the feature of this week's episode, I asked him very nicely to sign a pair of gloves. Uh, Joe Gallagher, his trainer, has also signed those gloves. So you've got a couple of signatures on them. And you can win those signed gloves offers. Um, all you've got to do is answer a very simple question. And it's regarding predicting the outcome of this weekend's fight with Carl Frampton. Nick, please explain the five ways of which this fight could end. Super simple. We just need to have a, a message on social media, Facebook or Twitter... Before the fight starts, let me just get that across, before the fight starts, and there's five options. You've got Quig on points, Quig by TKO, the draw, Frampton on points, or Frampton by TKO. Dead Simple straightforward, as that. dead easy, yeah. At Fight Disciples on Twitter. Give us your decision. One of those five, so it's Quig on points, Quig with a finish, draw, Frampton on points, Frampton via a finish. Yeah. Simple as that. Easy. Then the people who've got the right answer will be chucked in a pot. We'll draw it out live on the podcast next week and we'll ring you back. And the person obviously that's drawn out will get themselves a pair of gloves signed by Scott Quigg and Joe Gallagher. Simple as that. I think we explained it well enough, didn't we? Straightforward. On next week's podcast. Next time with the Fight Disciples. Hopefully the winner of the Quig Frampton fight will speak to us next week and therefore we'll get all the fallout from that amazing bill in Manchester. Also, I'll be back from London with uh, all the breakdown from UFC London as well, all the big interviews. And finally, of course, we were going to do a Conor McGregor special next week. We might still do it, but at the recording of this podcast, news broke that his fight with Rafael Dos Anjos has been called off because Dos Anjos has broken his foot for their fight on March the 5th. If a new opponent is named and Conor goes ahead to fight at UFC 196, of course, we will feature him next week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes. If not, we'll have to figure something else out. 